Amen. Yes, yes. Well, <clears throat> I, I really want to I really want to push um, this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We have Dr. John Burphy coming. He wrote the book uh, Milestones to the Miraculous. He's an amazing brother. I've had a lot of contact with him. The Hendersons are bringing him in, and uh, he's going to be on K-Dub and some other stuff. He is a powerful brother, and, and he has a real simplistic way of bringing the presence and, and creating a space and a place that is like a landing point for the miraculous. He's not overhyped. He's not like, you know, let's <clears throat> and invite God. To, that's just not how he rolls. Super simple, straightforward brother, and he loves God with all of his heart. But he's coming starting Friday night. He's going to talk about redigging the wells of revival. In our valley, there's been some amazing wells that have been dug historically over time, and they've been capped. And it's time for us to redig those wells, rip the caps off, and allow that living water to come out. As I was worshiping today, years ago, God gave me this vision of downtown. We spent years and years downtown G Street. 6th Street, 7th Street, 5th, 4th Street, just preaching the gospel and in the park. And I remember I had this vision one night, and, and I, here's what I saw. I just saw this imagery of all the color, all of the color in town, just all of a sudden started like melting off the walls. Not the building, it was like the color leaving all of these buildings. And, and it went down, and it went down a drain and just disappeared. And everywhere you looked, it was just black and white. It was like all the color, all the life had left. And while we were worshiping today, I saw, I saw what appeared to be a well, and it was like all of this color was returning. And it was like, it was like, I, I don't know, Fantasia, the, the old Disney movie. It was like this color. Years ago, I, I'm, a, I'm a scuba diver, and years ago we were diving with some group down, uh, with a group down on the uh, <clears throat> Illinois River. And we dove down into this deep hole, and it was kind of like a cave down there, not a cave you went into as much as it was just a rock overhanging. It was a big room. And we had these non-toxic non-toxic uh, glow sticks. And we took these glow sticks, and we shook them, broke them, shook them, and then they cut them, and these water droplets began to move. And they swirled in the room. And everything was lit up with color. It was so beautiful. And it reminded me of that moment that color came up out of the earth, and begin to rise upon all the structures and buildings and people around. I think that moment is coming. But we need to understand that there are ancient wells here. And then he's going to be speaking Saturday evening on tapping into your well. Man, I want to see us move from just wells to streams to rivers of living water, right? He's going to bring it. And then Sunday morning, he's going to talk about rivers of living water flowing out into our community. Great topics. I really encourage you to be here, invite your friends, your neighbors, uh, whatever, and um, pets, animals, chickens, whatever it takes. <laughs> this morning, guys, I'm inspired to leave the script and set it aside. I just see God doing something here that I want to challenge your hearts on. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to kind of take a journey here through the word. 
you know, I wanted to continue on with the discipleship, but I just felt like our hearts weren't in the right place this morning. And I, I don't want anyone to feel like when we're talking about discipleship that they're getting the beat down because it can seem like that at times. And um, I want to share a story that is, has been kind of my swan song. It's been the one I've gone to many times over the years. And here we have 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 8. And, and this is where the, the author talks about horses and chariots of fire. Okay, And it says, once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel went, <clears throat> the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God told him, thus he used him to warn him. So he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. So here's, here's what's happening. The king of Syria is warring against Israel, and he's got these secret strategies, this secret room where he's in there just kind of like making his plans. He probably has his big old whiteboard on the wall, and he's marking off strategical, all this stuff that's going on, and you guys, and somehow this information's getting leaked. That sounds familiar. Somehow this information's getting leaked out. And, and Syria is just being foiled at every point. And then the king's like, what's going on? Who in here? Who, someone in here is leaking this out. Someone in here has their cell phone on and they're taking pictures. No, I'm just kidding. Got the rocks up and they're chiseling it. No. Someone is letting this information out. And the king is really torqued about this. And then he, I'm going to just kind of zip through this. What's happening is God is telling Elijah, the the prophet, what's going on? Elisha gets the word and goes and tells the king of Israel, hey, don't do this, don't do that, move here, move that way, don't do that. And at the end of the day, the king of Syria is really getting mad. So he sends, he sends this group of soldiers down to Dauphin because that's where they found out he was at. He said, the king's like, where is he? And he said, behold, he is in Dauphin. I'm down to verse 14. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. So by night, they finally find out where Elisha is. And they come down there with this huge army and they surround the city. <clears throat> this is so powerful. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. Then, yeah, that's a woohoo moment. Remember that. Write that on your heart. Amen. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Sometimes when we're in the middle of it and we're spinning and we're watching our friends spin, sometimes we just need to stop and say, Father, will you? Will you open his eyes? Will you let him see what's really going on? And poof, that's what happened in that moment. All of a sudden, the servant was, was seeing, oh, wait a minute. It's kind of like that, that quigley down under moment. Here at the very end, when they look up and all the aboriginal people, man, like from every nation are standing. It made you just go, whoa, what a moment. And all of a sudden, they just see him all standing on all the mountaintops. And that's what the servant got to see. 
was greater was the group of people who were with them than the army that was surrounding the city. And they were chariots of fire. It gets better, though. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Please strike these people with blindness. He didn't say, God, take these people out. He didn't say, God, kill them. He was using this as a teaching moment. He was saying, Father, will you blind them? So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man to whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. <laughs> this isn't the place. Now come follow me, follow me. <clears throat> so it goes on. Let's see. Okay, so as soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword, with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and, and go to their master. So instead of whooping on them, he feeds them. Now, they're blinded spiritually, physically. You know, I don't think they're walking around like this. They just don't know that they don't know. Like, oh, who's this dude? Okay, well, we'll follow him. And they're getting fed. And they're like, man, this is, you guys are really wonderful. <laughs> so he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on the raids into the land of Israel. Duh. But it goes on. Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad does the siege of Samaria as well. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, mustered his entire army, and he went up and besieged Samaria. Now, this is where a, a, a siege is where they come around the city and block off all entrance to the city. You can't get out. You can't get in. And that can only last so long. And the people inside the city are starving. The people inside the city are hungry. Things that would cost pennies a, a short time before that now cost you everything. In fact, it went as far as cannibalism. It got brutal. And the whole time, they're under siege. Let's see here. Let's go to chapter 7. Elisha was, Elisha was, he knew God had a plan. He's trusting in God's plan, but it's looking pretty bleak. If you were looking at this with your natural eyes, you would be thinking, where is God in this? Where is God in this? Everything's getting darker. Everything's getting terrible. Everything's getting out of control. Where is God in this? But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a shea of, of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two shays of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain whose hand the king leaned on said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should come and make windows in heaven, open up, I'm going to paraphrase, pour everything out on us. Could this thing actually happen or be? But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So the king's guard, the king's protector is kind of mocking Elisha at this moment. He's mocking this moment because he's looking really hard with his natural eyes. And he doesn't see the connection between what God can do and what God has done in their past. Makes no connection. 
He's just standing there going, how could this be? This isn't going to happen. Are you kidding me? God is so much bigger. Now, this is where it really gets powerful. There were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Now, lepers, according to Mosaic law, a lepers were not allowed inside the city. The only way the lepers could get food or eat was when people provided it for them. Usually it was family members. And usually they would drop it over the wall in a bucket or something and lower down food to them and they would eat it. And that's how they lived. In fact, in fact, if you were a leper, you weren't allowed to bathe, you weren't allowed to comb your hair, nothing. You had to walk around in rags. And if anyone came close, you had to go, unclean, unclean, meaning don't come near me. You'll catch this stuff. That was the life they lived. Today, there's a lot of people, I think, that walk around with that mentality that I am so unclean. You don't want nothing to do with me. Stay away. Stay away. I'm unclean. I think a lot of times we tend to sabotage relationships and stuff because of our prior experience. We don't want, any, we don't want to get hurt again. We don't want to get close. And we just, I'm unclean. Stay away. Stay away. So here's the lepers going, you know, gosh, we're not getting any food here. I can't imagine how they were living unless they were eating crickets or something. Jeez. Because everybody inside the city, there was no food. So what are they living on? They had to have been on a huge, huge heavy-duty dose of some kind of weird diet, eating so I don't know, but they were still alive. But they came to this conclusion. Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter, enter the city, the famine is, famine is in there, and in there we shall die. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. We're at this point where if we sit here, we're just going to die. If we go inside the city, we're going to die there too. If we go over to the enemy's camp, at least we have a chance. We might live. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll throw us some scraps. We don't know. It's kind of like that moment when we stopped and I shared with you the Goki song about tell your heart to beat again. Some of us are in that place where we're like, oh, I'm so tired of everything. I don't want to go forward. I want to go back. I, ah. But here's what they did. The word says, to me, this is some of the most powerful words in this book. It says, so they arose. To me, there should be exclamation points after that. It says, they arose at twilight to go to the camp of, Syrians, of the Syrians. They arose. They took a chance. They got up. They told their hearts to beat again. They began to step into what the future held for them, not knowing whether they would live or die. But they arose. They didn't just sit there and wait and let the world spin around them and spin by them. They got up and took a chance. And they walked into their destiny. Some of you, I tell you, you're just one step away from your greatest moment if you'll just take a chance and stand up and step forward into what God is calling you to do. 
It's not rocket science. It's simple obedience. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Now here this whole time, the city is held captive thinking this big army's out there and no one dared to go check it out except a bunch of lepers who had nothing to lose and they arose. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us, kings, <clears throat> the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So it says they fled. Now, here's what I'm wondering. This is just me. Here's what I'm wondering. In that moment, when they arose and they began to walk, did God amplify the sound of their feet because they were trusting God? Did God amplify the sound of their feet and it got louder and louder and louder, and all of a sudden they're going, oh my goodness, armies are coming. <clears throat> yes, God can do that. When you get up, and even if you're just one, and you get up and you go, I've had it, I'm going to rise, heartbeat again, we're in this to win it, let's go, and you begin to move forward. God will amplify the sound of your movement, and every darkness and every enemy around you will begin to move. Because the power of God that you carry within you. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Years ago, as a young boy, my father and uh, a neighbor friend, they would take us into the high Sierras, and we would hike into these old mining camps that literally had been left, like it was like Sasquatch showed up and ran everybody off. <clears throat> You'd walk in there, and, and the, in the kitchens, there was still, everything was in disarray because of weather and stuff, but there would still be pots and pans and, and all this equipment and everything, just like they left it. It was one of those moments. They walk into camp and everything, it probably even still had porridge with steam rising off of it. <laughs> and they're going, whoa! We're, we're saved, we're going to make it, we're good. And I bet they were stuffing both hands in their mouth. But then they realized, I mean, it says, and they carried, <laughs> at the edge of the camp, they went into tents, and they ate and they drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they went and hid them. Then they came back and entered the tent and carried off things from them. I mean, they were having a great time. Woohoo! Man! I'm sure they're walking out of here just trying to carry all this stuff. Hey, you dropped a coin. Who cares? I got a lot more. And you're carrying it off, and they're hiding it. But somewhere in that moment, they had this epiphany that this isn't right. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. They had a moment where they realized how powerful and wonderful this moment was. And they realized we need to go share this moment with others. Doesn't that kind of sound like something called the gospel? <clears throat> so they took what they found 
they had hidden it, and then they realized, this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. And then they went back and they said, hey. So they came to the gatekeepers of the city and they told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and donkeys tied to the tent as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and told the king within the king's, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out to the camp to hide and they're hiding out in the hills. And, 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 and <clears throat> trying to paraphrase here. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking that when they come out of the city, meaning us, we shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, let, let, let's, uh, let's take some men with maybe five uh, of our remaining horses, because we ate all the other ones, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. So they gathered some horsemen. They jumped on the five horses they had left, and they <laughs> ride out there, and they see the truth. The enemy's gone. The point of the story is, guys, because they arose, not only were they saved, because they arose and told their hearts to beat again, and they went out to a place that they were told was death, and they walked in there and found out that there was nothing but life. Not only did they save themselves, but they saved an entire city. Did, did you guys see that? Because they arose, because they took a chance. Many of you, many of you are on this, this, this edge, and, and you're like, I don't know what to do. I, oh, man, what do I do? I'm telling you. Take that chance. If God is calling you, take that chance to step into your greatest moment. If your heart is flat and you're just beating it weird and you feel like you need a pacemaker and all that in a spiritual sense, something's not right. You need to tell your heart, come on, heart, beat again. And there's a rhythm of God's heart, and you want your heart to sync with that so you're both going together. Amen? You guys carry a message in you one of salvation, one of hope. And when we articulate it in a really clear way, it brings incredible salvation to those that are lost. Amen? So consider that, guys. Some of you are at that moment. I want you to arise and step into your greatest moment. You're just one step away. God will guide your footsteps. He will lead you. First and foremost, paramount, right at the top of the list, the Word of God says in Matthew 6, I believe, 33, I think, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of this other stuff will be added unto you. God will take care of the details if we're seeking him first. Amen? Let's stand. I hope it was okay to leave the script this morning. I just want to open it up for a moment. Lewis, I, I don't know if you could come up and... Sorry, I didn't mean to bug you guys. But Rose, you can come up too if you want. You could play the keyboard or something.
I just want to make sure before you leave today, if you're one of those people that have you been struggling and, and you know God's calling you to take a chance, to take a step, but you're having a hard time getting out of the gate. The gate's open. You're just having a hard time getting your foot through that gate. And it could be because your heart is not in a good place. So this morning, I would like to ask you to come forward if that's you. If you would like God to help your heart beat more in rhythm with his heart, that's you. If you're at that point in your life where you're going, I know oh, there's got to be more, but and you're tired of sitting in the same spot, come forward. I'd like to pray for you that God will take you to a whole new place. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Could I get a couple ministry team people up here to for some of these people. Thank you. Father, I really feel like we're on the edge of something so exciting and so new. And Father, I do not want to see any of us sitting being left behind. Father, I just pray for courage to be able to walk from that spot we're in and to move out into a place where we thought wasn't safe, but all of a sudden you have moved everything out of the way. And in that place, we're gonna find incredible life. Father, I pray for some in this room that you would open up their eyes and allow them to see, oh my goodness, that greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. Father, you are, oh, thank you, God. Father, I just pray for the hearts in here, God, that you would continue to go deep you would continue to draw us into your presence. You would continue to move us to that place where those capped wells have been and show us how to pop the lid off those and show us how to, to dig deep in there and bring forth the water that you would have for us, the spiritual water. Not just for us, God, but for others around us. Father, there's so much in the future. There's so much good for us if we'll just lean into that and trust you, God, that you've got this. All we have to do is simply get up and begin to move into what you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we just thank you. Now I pray that we could go home today and just have a glorious day in your presence, a relaxing day in your presence, and you would continue to download your heart into ours. And we just thank you now. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. If you wouldn't mind quietly as we can, stacking some chairs, that would be awesome. Tony, did you want to, you got something, brother? Hold on just a second, guys. Oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. You got this. <laughs>